Today on Mike's Notes, why things that appear safe are some of the most dangerous things of all. Like most of my notes, this one was inspired largely by the writings of Greg Ipp in his new book, Fool Proof. But it was stories in the book that made me think of stories in my own past that really got these ideas flowing and made me want to create a post about it. And the big idea from my own experience was when I was a kid and I used to play sports. And I remember playing a lot of basketball as a kid like in junior high and high school and playing with my friends and in leagues and on teams. And I never remember being hurt in basketball. Even though I hit the court a lot, you ran into other people. Sometimes if you were in a small gym, you would hit the walls. There was a lot of impacts, but it never hurt that much. The time when I was most hurt was when I was at the public swimming pool. And I tried to do a one and a half off the low diving board, which... It's not that hard, but uh, it does take a little bit of practice. So you get up on the board, and you need to both jump high and flip quickly because you want to basically do a somersault in the air, and then you open up your body out of the tuck, and then you dive into the water. So that's what I was attempting to do when I only got about three-quarters of the way through my somersault before I opened up, and then I smacked the water so hard I felt like I started to black out, and I remember distinctly um, opening my eyes underwater, noting, noting that I was underwater, noting that I didn't feel right, and thinking, this is not a good place to be with whatever was happening. And I was fine, but looking back, I can't help but wonder, why did hitting the water hurt so much, and hitting the basketball floor didn't hurt as much? And I think the answer to that is that my body knew that it was dangerous. It knew that there was a hard surface that I could land on in the basketball court. And so I prepared for it. Whereas on the diving board, I didn't think there would be that much pain. And so I wasn't ready for when it happened. And that brings us around to the three characters we're going to look at today. The three characters who are going to show us that when things appear safe, uh, it's actually one of the most dangerous situations we can have. Our first character is going to be money market investors, and specifically the primary or the reserve primary fund. Our second uh, character is going to be mountain climbers, and our third character is going to be art researchers. Character one, money market investors. Now, money markets are funds that are supposed to be liquid, they're supposed to be safe, and the interest rate you earn on a money market fund, the expectation is that it's going to be um, more than a savings account, uh, maybe not as much as stock, but somewhere in the middle, and it, it's supposed to be safe. And, and the supposed to be safe is, is part of the problem because people think that money markets are entirely safe and they're not, and that's where the danger comes in. Uh, the big example we have from this is uh, in 2006, and this is from Greg Ipp's book, Foolproof, quote, In 2006, Reserve began investing in commercial paper, which soon represented half the fund's assets, end quote. So, 
Money market funds before 2006 typically invested in government bonds, maybe very safe company bonds, things where you expected no decline in value. And then the interest they earned on that, they passed some of that on to the investors in the money market fund, and the managers kept the rest. So after 2006, what's happening is that primary reserve fund is investing in riskier and riskier things. And one of the things that they invest in is Lehman Brothers, with the expectation that uh, even though the interest they're earning from these loans to Lehman is, um, is higher, they don't think that there's any more risk, but there is risk. Um, and, and, that's, and that's what we want to see is that even though it appears like there's no risk for the money market, the people who own the money market fund, there is because the money market has invested in Lehman and Lehman has invested in something else. Um, and this isn't an easy um, sequence of con conclusions to get to. It takes a lot of work. Ip notes in the book, quote, Lehman's paper retained its top rating from Moody's and Standard & Poor's until the day of its bankruptcy, end quote. So uh, the people who were looking at the things that Lehman was holding didn't think there was a problem. And so the people at Reserve Fund didn't think there was a problem. And so the people that held the Reserve Money Market Fund didn't think there was a problem. But once there was a problem, this whole set of dominoes started cascading. In his conversation with Tyler Cowen, Cliff Asnes said, quote, that money market portfolios hold short-term bonds is to me a very dangerous asset, end quote. So Asnes is saying that um, because these dominoes are lined up and eventually the end domino, if that end domino falls, it's going to take all of them down. But the people who are at the opposite end of that line of dominoes don't know what's happening. They don't see the sequence of events. And that's when things can be dangerous. Our second character is mountain climbers. Mountain climbing, um, it appears like it's a dangerous thing, but it's getting easier. And in that it's getting easier, that's a veil to the danger. There was a 73-year-old woman who climbed Mount Everest. And you could look at that and say, oh, if a 73-year-old woman can do it, maybe I can do it. But we're conflating, we're confusing, we're switching danger and difficulty, and that is dangerous. Now, I've never climbed a mountain. I don't know anything about mountain climbing, but in his book, Deep Survival, Lawrence Gonzalez uh, writes wonderfully about this idea. Uh, quote, and this is uh, Gonzalez writing about Mount Hood. Quote, the standard route up Mount Hood is not technical. It's more of a hike on a steep snowfield. On a good day, you can walk it without crampons, snap some pictures on the summit, and be back at the Timberline Lodge Ski Resort for New Zealand fire-broiled spicy lamb loin chops, end quote. So Gonzalez is setting the stage where this mountain that is really dangerous to climb has become easier, and people have started to confuse the difficulty with um, the deadliness of it. And Gonzalez writes specifically this in his book, quote, it's a dangerous illusion because success depends on doing everything perfectly, end quote. So even though it's easier, it's still dangerous. And uh, the story that Gonzalez tells happened in 2002. Uh, four men had summited Mount Hood and they were coming down the mountain. Gonzalez writes, quote, they were hooked together like beads on a string, end quote. So what these four men have decided to do is they're going to go down the mountain in a line. Uh, the first guy goes down. 35 feet of rope, and then the next guy goes down, 
and he's hooked to 35 feet of rope to the next guy until there's four guys and they're strung out over this length of rope. And the key to their safety, the key that they believe to their safety, is that the rope is taut in between them. So there's not slack between the bottom guy and the second guy up from the bottom. And the reason they do it this way is because nobody can get momentum. If the guy on the bottom slips and there's only two feet of rope, he can easily be arrested by the guy that's above him. And if not above him, then there's no slack for it to travel up the rope to the guy who's second from the top. The problem with their system is that the top man fell, the guy on the very top. The guy with the most experience is the one that ended up falling off the cliff. And as he goes down, he falls 35 feet to the second guy. And then there's another, he has to go down another 35 feet of rope before his rope is out and it's taut. And he plucks the second guy off the face of the mountain like a grape off of a stem. And so rather than arresting someone who falls two feet because you're keeping your rope uh, pretty taut, this guy has fallen 75 feet. Uh, Gonzalez writes about this, quote, before Ward, Ward's rope went taut against Reed's harness, Ward was going as much as 30 miles an hour, the equivalent of the speed you'd attain by jumping from an eight-story building, end quote. So Ward and Reed are the two guys that are near the top. And uh, what happened was, as these four guys all went down the mountain, they ended up taking two other climbers that were below them down as well. And a few people died in the incident. It was very dangerous, all because they thought their system of being hooked together with a taut rope line uh, was a safe one. The third example of thinking uh, something safe but is really something dangerous is in the world of art forgers. In a wonderful Hidden Brain episode, the author of the book The Art of Forgery, Noah Charney, uh, says, quote, the majority of successful art forgers in the 20th century use provenance or the documented history of an object as a trap to lure the researcher to authenticate the work, end quote. So what these forgers do, they don't try to replicate the Mona Lisa. They don't try to paint that. What they do is they try to look at the historical details and make a sketch of what might have been the Mona Lisa. These forgers will try to imagine and construct what a sketching by Leonardo da Vinci might have been, and then that's what they will make. They will try to recreate that, and then that will get that will get slipped into the um, art researcher's uh, queue of things, whether or not they should validate it. And then the second part of this system comes in, where before this idea, this provenance, tra provenance trap uh, was identified and stopped art forgers. The researchers wanted to find uh, authentic works. It was like Indiana Jones, Charney says. They wanted to be the ones who found the missing piece, the sketch that led to the Mona Lisa. And so that was also uh, creating a system where the art researchers didn't think. They thought they were safe to authenticate these sketches because, come on, who is going to forge a sketch when you can try to forge something more valuable like the real painting itself? So in each of these three examples, our money market fund, our mountain climbers, and our art forgers, we see three things that went wrong, three things that happened to create situations that appeared safe but were actually dangerous. The first was we underestimate risks in situations that appear safe. Uh, reserve invested in companies uh, because they thought the risk of default was really low. Lehman Brothers had been around for decades 
what were the chances that they would default on their loans, that they wouldn't be able to pay their bills? The mountain climbers hooked together because they thought the risk of falling was low. You're hooked together, you're going down, you have the most experienced person at the top. That, that seems to lower a risk when it actually doesn't. And our art researchers validated more work because they thought the risk of forgery was low. Who's going to forge a sketch when you can forge the real thing? The second thing that went wrong is we reach for more. Reserve Primary stopped investing in uh, AAA funds or tr funds that were actually AAA rather than just rated AAA because they wanted greater returns. They wanted a higher interest rate. Our mountain climbers wanted to get down the mountain quickly to make it to the lodge for that dinner that Gonzalez describes. And the art researchers wanted, art researchers wanted to be the ones that found something. Uh, Charney says, quote, let's be honest, every art historian wants to be Indiana Jones and wants to find lost treasures, end quote. The third thing that happened was that conditions changed in small ways that we didn't notice. For reserve, we talked about the dominoes and how a person at one end of the dominoes couldn't see what was happening at the other end of the dominoes. The money market fund invested in Lehman, which invested in these uh, credit default swaps and other securities that weren't actually worth what they, what they thought they were. And because the difference between um, one end and the other end was so great or so opaque, uh, the information didn't get there. The mountain climbers didn't know that the day was warming and the snow that was easy to step into and would hold their, hold their footing was turning into slush and it was becoming much more likely to slip. And our art historians didn't realize how quickly and deeply a forger could get. They didn't realize that a forger could find all the historical details they would need to fool the art historian into, um, into believing that something was real. So even though there's these three things that went wrong, there's one step we can always take to make safe situations even safer, and that is to create an extra margin of safety, to create something so that even if A, B, and C, and D go wrong, we're still okay. Nassim Taleb calls this redundancy, and we can uh, use redundancy or margin of safety or extra of something extra of something to keep us safe. We'll end this edition of Mike's Notes with this quote from James Grant, quote, risk is most threatening when it is least obvious and least threatening when it's most obvious.